all in for God's gospel for all nations. That's the title of our sermon for today on Worldwide Communion Sunday as we come to the Lord today. We're going to continue in our message series. This is part of our message series. We're, we're being called to grow closer to God. And uh, the last month or so, we've been turning to the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And we're going to continue with that today. As I've mentioned several times, our youth for this semester are studying the book of Romans. That's their main Bible study. They're really digging in deeply. They wanted to study Romans this, this year, so I think that's wonderful. And so we're reading from Romans periodically in this series. Today, we're going to be turning to uh, what I would refer to as inclusio passages on a main theme of Paul. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 5. This immediately follows Paul's introduction of himself to the church at Rome and his bona fides. He makes a creedal statement. Verse 5, he tells you, how he is called and what his purpose is. And then you see this again, the same language in the doxology that closes out uh, Romans in chapter 16. So we'll turn to Romans chapter 16 as well and read the closing verses of the book of Romans. So hear now God's word. Romans chapter one, verse five, through whom Paul is talking about Jesus who's been raised from the dead, declared in glory by the resurrection from the dead through whom, through Jesus, the risen Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship. Why? Why is Paul saved? Why is Paul called as an apostle? Well, here it is. To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name, Christ's name, among all the nations. That's Paul's call. That's why he's saved. That's what he's doing. Now, to the close of the letter to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 16, picking up at verse 25. Now to him, that is to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. He's claiming the gospel as his own now because it is. It's claimed him. Now it is his gospel, his good news. According to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations. There it is again. According to the command of the eternal God. Why? To bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. We are living in a broken and hopeless world. We are living in a world full of sinners, many of whom perhaps most of whom are destined for hell, save but the grace of God and the gospel of God through Jesus Christ. The gospel is the answer for any of us, for our children. We can think they're cute, we can love them to death, we can spoil them, whatever, but the only way they have a future that is of hope is to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to be called to the 
obedience of faith, as Paul puts it. Obedience is not a throwaway word here. It's not objectionable to Protestants, but yes, it is right there, all in Paul's writing. Hupo okuein, pistos. It means to sit under, to sit under and to hear what God is saying to us, what Jesus is saying to us. That's what the obedience terminology that Paul is using there means. To be saved is to be called to the obedience of faith. And we're in a hopeless world, and the nations, the Gentiles, in the Greek, ethne means nations or Gentile. Same back in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, goyim means nations or Gentiles. Same thing. Well, you know what? All these folks who are not among the, the, the people of God... They're hopeless unless God sends hope, unless God comes and saves. And we have good news today. God has done precisely that. At the turning point of all history, God himself, God's own son, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him among the nations as well as the Jews should not perish but have eternal life. You are not without hope. May God fill you with hope in believing in the obedience of faith. And when we believe, guess what? That gospel claims us. And the gospel becomes our gospel, our good news to bring to the nations, to bring to the world. That's what the scripture is saying to us. Not, in Rome, not just in Romans, but all through the Bible. Now, yesterday, some of us may have been aware of the fact that there were some college football games. Most of y'all I know were probably in deep prayer and study all day. But, but I can just tell you, I pulled out of that for a little while. I, I don't want you to judge me for that. And I was aware of, in fact, attended a football game yesterday. But what would you think about somebody who supposedly was on the Mississippi State Bulldog team, or by the way, the Texas A&M Aggies, who showed up for the team picture, got the uniform, but never went to practice and never actually went out onto the field. Would you say that person is really a member of the team? I'd say not. I mean, never, never went onto the field. You gotta be joking. You, you just showed up for a picture. And so you could say, yeah, and when I'm old and gone, they can show my picture and say I was on the team. That's a sham. If you're on the team, you're on the team, right? You're on the team. Well, today we're gonna talk about and you can see it, I've, I've laid some of this out for you in the sermon notes that are printed in the bulletin. We'll also have some of this up on slides for you as well. God, I have good news for us. God is all in. I don't mean partially in, I mean all in on his gospel for all, not just a few, not just Western Europe or something like that, for all Nations. God is all in on his gospel for all, every single one of the nations. Jesus is all in on his gospel promise for his own people, the Jews, but also for all, all the ethne, all the goyim, all the nations, all the Gentiles. And he's so much, I have good news for us today. We'll come back to this and dig in a little bit more scripturally. But Jesus is so all in that he emptied himself and obeyed, do you hear that? Jesus obeyed in faith all the way to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
for your salvation. I mean, that's how much Jesus was all in. But in addition to that, Jesus is so all in to his gospel for all the nations that you know what his central command and commission to us is about? He sends us to make disciples of, guess whom? A couple of our most favorite nations? No, <laughs> all nations and all the Gentiles. And then uh, let's just talk about the prime suspect number one, the author of this letter from which we've just read. Jesus was and is so into his gospel spreading to all the nations that he called and transformed the most zealous missionary persecutor of the early church, a gentleman named Saul of Tarsus. We kind of know him as Paul. And transforms him into the most zealous missionary of good news of salvation to the nations. Paul, in turn, saved now and a Christian because Paul's Lord was and is so into the gospel for all the nations. Guess what Paul devoted his life to, understood his calling to be, to help bring the gospel to all the nations. Okay, that's Paul, that's Jesus, that's God. What about you? This is the question for us today as we prepare to come to the Lord's table. What about you? Are you all in? Because God obviously is, Jesus obviously is, and anyone who's saved in Jesus obviously is. Are you all in? Is this your heart, your desire, your passion? I want to invite you to believe in Jesus today and to come to know him as the Lord whose heart is to bring the good news to all the nations. And as we prepare to come to his table, dare we not know and believe in his gospel for all the nations. Let's be all in on bringing his gospel to all the nations. Now we have good news, as we've said, God's gospel is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, which means to the Gentile, to the nations, okay? This is Paul's uh, thesis statement in Romans. It's Romans chapter one, verse 16. God's gospel is the power of salvation, not a power. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not an indefinite article, it's the power. There is one power through which anyone can be saved. Muslim, Hindu, Greek, Scythian, barbarian, you name it. Ethiopian, you name it. One power. The gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. And Christ's lordship extends to all things, all people, and all nations. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. The question is, do you believe and do you obey that? Do you believe and do you obey that? Am I all in on his gospel for all the nations? Uh, when I was at seminary, it's pretty hot reading at the time, back uh, 25, whatever, 30 years ago, Leslie Newbigin, a uh, brilliant uh, missiologist who had uh, 
Newbegin went to Cambridge back in the 20s when John Stott and some other people were there. And then he went off for 40 years as a mission pastor to India. And from the late 1920s through when he came back in the 1970s, late 1970s, he came back home to an England and to a United Kingdom that was totally changed. When he left, when he grew up and you know went to school in the 20s, the United Kingdom was still basically Christendom. When he came back by the late 70s, Leslie Newbigin knew he was dealing with an entirely different culture, a post-Christendom, post-Christian culture. It was a pagan culture, and he said a culture and a people without hope because they did not, they're just living for themselves, and ultimately that's hopeless. It's a dying cause to live for yourself, right? And he wrote a number of great books in the 80s and 90s, and one of his last was The Open Secret, An Introduction to the Theology of Mission. He wrote this in 1995, a couple of years before he died, I think. But Newbigin said this, because the authority of Jesus is ultimate, the recognition of it involves a commitment that replaces all other commitments. In other words, you're either all in with Jesus or you're not in at all. You're either all in or you're... Do we believe and obey the call of the gospel? Well, let's dig into some scripture and remind ourselves or be reminded of what God has to say about this. Number one, God is all in on his gospel for all nations. I'm going to give you a few scriptures. I could have given you a whole lot more. This is just sweeping through uh, the Old Testament, for instance. In, in Genesis, let me just remind you, in Genesis chapter 12, we read the fact that God calls Abram or Abraham um, and, and, and calls Abraham in a way that tells Abraham or Abram that all the nations, all the peoples are going to be blessed through him. He specifically, God specifically develops this in Abraham's life in a way that leads to the ultimate testing of Abraham when Abraham finally has a son whose name is Yitzhak or Isaac. God at a certain point calls Abraham uh, to bring Isaac for sacrifice. You may remember this. And this is a prophetic type or precursor preparing us for what happens when God gives his one and only son for our salvation. Abraham responds in faith yet again. And the scripture tells us that from all the way from Genesis 15 forward, that Abraham's faithfulness is accounted by God as righteousness unto Abraham. But, but when God and the angel of the Lord tells Abraham, no, 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 don't sacrifice him and provides a ram for the sacrifice, we read this, when the Lord through the angel of the Lord speaks to Abraham again in Genesis 22:15 through 18, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Now when you get that high level covenant language, you're really supposed to take, pay attention in the scripture. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. This is totally irrevocable, okay? Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your seed 
as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So this is telling us what the Bible is all about, what the salvation redemption plan is all about, and what Jesus is going to bring to bear. This has already told us this in Genesis 22. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You continue to read this all through Genesis. For instance, God reiterates this to that son, Isaac, Yitzhak. I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and will give to your seed all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Are you hearing this? All the nations, not just Israel, all the nations over and over again. In the great messianic Psalm, Psalm 2 in verse 8, the father says to the son, the Lord says to the Messiah, ask of me and I will surely give the nations, I mean all of them, is your inheritance. Psalm 86 verse 9, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. And then to Isaiah. We spent a lot of time a couple of years ago in Isaiah. Let's go back to that, that, that precursor ascendance. That, that sets up the other seven cycles in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter two, verse two. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of all the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills. And listen to this, all the nations. Did you hear that? All the nations, all the goyim shall flow to it. When you get to the suffering servant song in Isaiah that prophesies Jesus' saving death, his coming, his incarnation, and his saving death. Isaiah 52, verse 10. The Lord has bared his holy arm. In other words, he's come down to us on earth. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. Isaiah 45, verse 23. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return to me every knee. By the way, that means that every nation shall bow, every tongue, swear allegiance. And then Isaiah 66, verses 18 through 20. We'll just brush across this briefly, but it's here. Here is the prophecy that Paul is claiming over in Romans. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming together, all nations and tongues. You hear this reverberating through the Bible all the way to Revelation. All nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations. And then going on to verse 20. And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord. As an offering to the Lord. Just remember that. I'll come back to that with Paul. Now, God is all in. This is the plan that is laid out from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, all the way into the New Testament. And 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 celebrated in the book of Revelation all the way through. Jesus is all in on his gospel promise for his people and for all the nations, and we know this. Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 12. Christ is the hope of the Jew and the Gentile. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that means to the Jew, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. That means Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, okay? In order that the 
Gentiles, the nations, might glorify God for his mercy. This is the game plan for the team. This is the game plan, ultimately for God's glory. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the nations, among the Gentiles, and sing to your name, Paul writes, uh, quoting 2 Samuel chapter 22 and Psalm 18. And again, it says, rejoice, O nations, O Gentiles, with his people, Deuteronomy 32, 43. I mean, Paul knows the scripture. He knows the game plan all the way through verse 12, which I think I have up for you on the screen. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, this is the messianic promise about Jesus as the shoot and the root of Jesse. Okay, he's before Jesse, he's the God too, as well as being a human descendant. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, the nations. In him will the Gentiles hope. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Good Friday is about. That's what the cross is about. That's what the resurrection is about. That we all might hope among all the nations that there might be hope in a world of death and destruction. Jesus is so all in on this gospel for his people and for all the nations that he emptied himself and obeyed in faith to the point of death on a cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and following, the Christ hymn. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. I mean, that's how much he's all in. He emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And becoming found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, the obedience of faith now, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Do you hear that link back to Isaiah 45? God's already told you this was going to happen. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus is so all in on this gospel for all the nations that he gives us our marching order. It's called the Great Commission. And what is that? All authority in heaven and on little parts of the earth. No, all authority in all earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of your best friends only. No, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe the obedience of faith, the obedience of faith, everything I've commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. And again, Jesus is so all in on the gospel. I mean, this is shocking. The Jew and the Jewish leader, brilliant man, who hated the Christians more than anybody else in the early days of Christianity, was Saul of Tarsus. I mean, he apparently helped rile up the crowd and then held the cloaks as they stoned Stephen to death. You can read about this in Acts chapter 70, the first martyr Stephen. Paul is there like egging the whole situation on and holding the cloaks. And then he is such a zealous persecutor that he persuades the authorities, the chief priests in Jerusalem to give him papers so that he can go all the way up to Syria 
and to Damascus to arrest and, in, and, and basically jail and bring back to Jerusalem for trial Christians. <laughs> That's, and Jesus says, there's my man. This is the one who's going to be the apostle to the nations. This is all part of the plan. Isn't that wonderful? So, so when Paul is on his way to Damascus, Jesus intervenes, strikes him down and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And guess who becomes the most zealous missionary to the nations, to the Goyim? It's Paul. That's how much Jesus is in on the gospel. As Paul says, for instance, Galatians 1, 1, 13, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And then Paul, of course, is all in because he, he knows Jesus. He understands what the gospel is all about. He knows the scripture pretty much better than anybody else in history on, on this level below Jesus. And he understands the game plan. And he understands where Jesus' heart is to bring the gospel to all the nations and to bring the obedience of faith as an offering to God. See, what Paul says, he actually says this in Romans chapter 15, verses 16 through 18, is that I boast in Christ because he has empowered me to do what the game plan was, to bring as an offering to God the Gentiles. So you remember how we spent a few weeks talking about Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, therefore, brothers, in light of God's mercies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That verse totally links with what Paul is saying in 15, chapter 15, verses 16 through 18, about what is happening. We're all to be brought obedient in the faith, offering our bodies fully as a celebration of God's glory in Jesus Christ. It's incredible. What about us? What about you? As we prepare to come to his table today, I have good news. We live in a world of hopelessness, but when you believe in Jesus, you're called as an agent and a witness and ambassador of God's hope, God's hope for all the nations. And you know what? God is at work right now. God is at work, like Amy was saying, at Mississippi State University and in Starkville. God is also at work, not only in what we're doing there and called to do there as witnesses, but also with so many of our mission partners. I was just conversing with Daryl Fenton from you know, our mission partner in Israel last week, and I've got another call with him this week. Not only is CMJ Israel seeing fruit among the Jewish people in Israel, but over the last several years, and particularly during the COVID time, new inroads are breaking open with CMJ's outreach to Muslims, not just in Jerusalem, not just with some of those Muslims who had become Christians that I told you about when I was in Jerusalem a few years ago, but also even over into the West Bank and even to Gaza. I mean, Muslims are coming to faith. You know about our work with Mission India, and particularly in that we support children's Bible clubs and church plants in states within the nation of India where it is illegal to try to have somebody convert to Christianity. Nevertheless, even in the face of all that, hundreds are coming to faith through your commitment, but it's ultimately all like Paul says, I don't boast in myself. We don't boast in ourselves. It's God doing this by God's plan, his hope, his gospel 
for all the nations. As we come to the table today, we're called to understand why Jesus came in the first place, what he has done for us, what this new covenant is about to bring in not only Jews, but also from all the nations, those who would be an offering to God for the sake of his name, his glory, and for his kingdom now and forever. As we come to this table, let us share from the table, rejoicing in the hope that God gives us. I pray, I pray that you and I would be filled with hope and transformed by the same hope that transformed the Apostle Paul and can transform a church, a family, and the world for the sake of Christ, for his grace, his kingdom, the hope that is sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.